Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, today on Lulz, we have a young gun, a DFS pro who keeps a low profile that reached out to us and said, hey, I want to come chop it up on Lulz, talk about battling the other high stakes pros. So we're going to meet that individual here shortly. And also I need to clear my name with this toasted bullshit. Everyone thinks I'm peeping Pete looking at their profiles. This is ridiculous. I, does he think, I it's think he thinks goat. this, he thinks this is a goat. Vegas Dave thinks this is a goat. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. Please, Please don't do bus. Brian, it was uh, it was an innocent time yesterday afternoon. I got a DM from you, and you're like, "Hey, this toasted stuff is it is pretty interesting." Had not even logged on to Twitter yet. I was just like, "Oh yeah, this seems like one of those things." Little did I know that I would become the epicenter of this horrible app, this horrible trend. I don't know why, Brian, but I appear on everyone's top ten for toasted, which shows who views your Twitter profile the most. And now we got people out there like Empire Maker calling me Peep and Pete. And now I have to clear my good name. <clears throat> that was hilarious. You have to admit, it was pretty damn funny. I mean, Justin McMahon, I, I'm on, I, I haven't looked at that guy's profile page since <laughs> he probably came on Lulz. And what was that, like a year and a half, two years ago? Uh, I, Davis was on there a lot, too. Oh, this is, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the funniest one to me, I don't know, the, uh, Justin Herzig was top on uh, CSU Rams wife, Ashley's Twitter page. <laughs> and that's the one you don't want to be on. It's like, have you been creeping on CSU's wife? This whole time? <laughs> yeah, he had a whole press release about how Toasted is completely fabricated. <laughs> like, oh, I bet, I bet you think it is, don't you? <laughs> well, this is why I'm so torn. Because part of me wants to be like, this is complete bullshit. I've never looked at this page. In fact, <laughs> Justin, I had to tell him I haven't muted. That's how much I haven't looked at his page. But then I see Justin's thing, and I'm like, no, this checks out, dude. I'm In some cases, <laughs> it's deadly accurate. In others, it's uh, way off. It's like you with DFS, right? If you win, right. it's skill. If yeah. someone else wins, it's luck. Oh, yeah. luck. Clearly. Yeah, so like, and you know, this has just gotten out of control now. You know, I'll go to my... You know, my page, um, uh, you know, th these are just blatant photoshops. People now trying to act like I'm the only one mm. who views their uh, their profile page. Uh, Kitchen is uh, saying, calling me profile PD. Empire Maker called me um, Peepin' Pete, which uh, now Sacrilegious says has a good ring to it. And so I did have to make this press release last night myself. How am I first on Everyone's Toasted? Get over yourselves. I've never read one of your shitty tweets. Um, a lot of people don't believe me on that, but Brian, I, I thought this was going to be a fun thing, but, uh, I hate this app. I hate it. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't that fun for you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I called a Davis, uh, Davis Simpack. Uh, yeah. Um, what, what were the other funniest ones you saw, uh, within the, the DFS, uh, space? Oh God. I don't know if there was anything. It's just the piling on of you. E EM2 was in a lot of them too, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, th that's the only thing I saw that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, Sammy Reed. Like, I'm at the, like, I like Sammy. I listen to his podcast. I'll, I'll be completely honest, Sammy. I never click on your fucking Twitter feed, man. I just get you, I just get you in my ears with your podcast. How am I number one on Sammy's? <laughs> I don't know. Levitan was in a lot too. So it's, cle <laughs> it's clearly done by a, some algorithm. 
somehow. And yeah. there's their um, engagement farming and they, <laughs> and they, and they filter it towards people with a lot of fo- followers and activity. It's completely fake. It's complete yeah. bullshit. We remember we, when I first DM'd you this that we should do a bit with this. Uh, we're, we already were thinking about uh, photoshopping. You know, like yeah, you could do so many funny ones. You know, like e- put like Elon and Barack Obama following you, or just do a DFS related. All right, Justin. Right now, live on air, I'm going to unmute you so I could I could see this awful strig here. Uh, I just I, how I just have no idea how I would be Justin's number do you one think, lost do you, CSU Ram. <laughs> do you? I, I mean, yours makes some sense. I still think it's all fake, but yeah, I hope so. Why is Laffy creeping up on J, J- Max? <laughs> the the it makes some sense because you do do multiple shows, and especially this one where you bring these people on, and you have to like click their name to get their info for the show True. and happy pace and we do a lot of like we go to hoops account we go to big t's account you know just the last couple for of journalistic shows. purposes for, yeah for for journalistic purposes so like i, I guess it's possible i mean because if it was like just one like <laughs> one click is all it takes one click is all it takes. I mean, that's what's so insidious about this is like, I think everyone collectively agrees this algorithm is completely busto, but there's just enough of directional accuracy, just a, a kernel of truth that it plants the seed that maybe this dude is just creeping nonstop on this page. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some other funny ones was uh, Big T having Levitan n- not follow him, but B is number <laughs> yeah. five. Um, uh, <laughs> The, the golf, the golf hot chick page, whatever. Uh, Justin Thomas, who's married, was her like her like third or fourth. Well, the the un, the not following thing actually checks out, right? Because if you aren't following someone and you're still kind of curious and obsessed about them, the only way to go see their tweets is to manually go do it because you're never going to see it in the feed. So it actually makes it seem more likely to me that they would appear on this list if you don't follow them. Sure, right. Um, I can understand someone clicking on Paige's account for obvious reasons to look at her, but yes. why would you click on anyone else's account? <laughs> I mean, I, I doubt it. It's it's very rare that I'll read someone's tweet, even like it, you know, and then well, let's let's go and let's go into their account and see everything everything else they're saying. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah, I would say the the thing that's probably most common for me these days is because like the the Twitter home app and whatever the algo is so fucking busted too, just on like Twitter's end, that all like I'll sometimes like see a tweet from someone and be like, holy shit, I forgot about that person or I haven't seen a tweet for them in like what feels like four months. And then I'll like scroll on their profile and be like, oh yeah, I don't remember seeing this. Oh, didn't know that you had a kid. I uh, didn't know that you changed sites. Like you learn all of this stuff um, because you catch up on it. But, um, this implication that I'm constantly, that I have <laughs> basically toasted wants you to think that I have a thousand tabs open for every personality at DFS. And, uh, <laughs> once every hour I do a refresh to see what they're up to. It, it got out of hand. It got out of Ooh. hand. This, I like this galaxy brain theory from Christopher here. Maybe it's backwards and it's who you view or who viewed you the most. I think maybe is what he means. I could see that. Um, I guess, yeah. I, there, there, there's clearly some algo going on where your interactions with somebody, maybe your mentions, your likes, there, and they just, and it, it, it just so happens that it's always guys who have like twenty thousand or plus more followers. Oh, yeah. So like you know, Davis has whatever fifty thousand, Levitan has like over a hundred thousand. So they want them to be in there so that it draws more attention to the stupid toasted app. It's completely fake. It's completely. <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's call a spade a spade. We all got engagement farmed hard on this. I mean, the, the viral marketing that this app was able to do, um, they got me, you know, and I, as a pro engagement farmer myself, I generally pride myself on not falling for these traps, but they got us, Brian. Yeah. I feel partially responsible for for that getting into the DFS community. (laughs) Where did you find this? This seems like some random Reddit thing you're looking at. Random Twitter. (laughs) 
just people are doing yeah. it. I'm like, okay, it's it's. And then I saw EM two was my number one. I'm like, oh, this is this is a slam dunk. This will <laughs> this, this will clearly cool. upset him. So I have <laughs> to post it. <laughs> and he did he did clarify uh, try to clear his name too and saying he's he'd never been to your page. I believe he got he got screwed more than no you got screwed pretty bad just because yours popped up so many times. But he was the origin the first one that I posted the first one, so no one knew it was fake yet. So like, he's like, wait guys, I can't, you know, he he has no defense. It's so true. Um, all right. I tease this at the top of the show. Uh, our guest is here. Um, I am going to bring in, uh, Ryan Durante. Did I pronounce your last name correctly, Ryan? Yeah. What's going on, Pete? Hey, Ryan. How are you? Well, Durante or Durante? Uh, Durante. Durante. Okay. And so you, you had reached out to me a couple weeks ago about coming on the show. So I assume people mm-hmm. in the DFS community would know you maybe more by your username, which is R Durante CP. Yeah. Yeah. And then mine uh, on FanDuel is the Wolf of Ball Street. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And when you had, when you had sent me an email, you had said, uh, you know, I quit working in, in real estate as a 25 year old to play DFS full time. Um, and that mm-hmm. you had been still doing some corporate jobs here and there. And then you ended up backing out initially saying like, actually, I don't think this is going to fly with my day job. I was like, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll punt the show. And then you reach out to me again and say, wait, now I left my corporate job. Let's go. Let's do this. Did, did I get that timeline correct? Yeah, no, you did. I, uh, I felt bad letting you down. I, uh, just had to do something about it. Um, I was working in finance and they, uh, said it was a conflict of interest with media. Um, they didn't want the name of the company to come up uh, because it was gambling related. Um, so I had to decline doing it. But uh, yeah, we're here now. So no problem anymore. Did you tell them that this show does a lot for gambling awareness? Um, it's a big <laughs> issue of ours. Um, no, you know, to be honest, I, uh, I just got so burnt out of corporate jobs. Uh, I think this was my last one. Um, I have been struggling to want to work with DFS going on. And uh, I, I was kind of grinding for a few years and just like struggling to pay my rent with it. And then this past year, I just like finally kind of broke through. And uh, that was kind of my reason I wanted to come on the show. I, uh, I listened to this podcast like every week, like my first two years, just like really, I feel like learned kind of a lot just hearing from like the guys like nerdy Ricky, um, petty theft in particular because I'm pretty high in basketball and um I, I just like have felt like such a good sense of gratitude just like having these kind of resources while I haven't really known anybody or like before I went to any live events I really didn't know a single person in this industry so I um yeah that was just kind of my reason for wanting to come on the show and I got some fun party stories with like FanDuel and all that so I I thought it'd be a good time I do want to clarify because this is this was my inclination too. <laughs> you did specifically quit your job not because of any monetary reasons or whatever. It was because you said, "Look, it's it's either you get me on lulls or you don't get me at all." And and you called their bluff. Yeah, is that how it went down. Yeah, pretty much. I told him Pete's the man, and if you're going to keep me from my guy, I got to go. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So Brian, when you hear. Uh, Ryan's story, he sounds to me a lot about the type of viewers that you're always worried about, who pick up enough breadcrumbs along the way, go all in on DFS, and that enough has been leaked that turns these guys into your competitors in the high stakes DFS ecosystem. Do you feel threatened by Ryan? I do. I do. (laughs) Very threatened, emasculated. Um, I noticed he didn't say my name in any of the congratulations and thanks there, by the way. So, wow. There you go. Do you want, do you want like hate and fear? Yeah. Ryan, normally we do this um, off air, but Brian kind of has every guest kind of kiss the ring um, when they come on. He kind (laughs) of holds his hand out. And uh, yeah. So just, if you could do that, he'll be a lot more jovial for the rest of the street. You're ranked much higher than me. So kiss the ring. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're like, because you said, you said that you quit working in real estate at 25 to play DFS full time, but then at some point you went back to to working so like how did that all work as far as like when you were actually like deriving the majority of your income from dfs yeah to be honest only over the last uh, eight months so my first two years uh i started playing basketball in 2020 uh during covid time and um 
I had some initial really good success. Um, I was strictly playing FanDuel because I was able to kind of get a deal with them. Um, I think they kind of care more about new customer acquisition relative to fan, uh, DraftKings. And so I was able to kind of get started with them. They were giving me some tickets. I was kind of able to like scale a little bit more than my actual bankroll because of their help. And um, I was playing the baller every night, 1650. I won um, like 50K a couple of times, like kind of got to around like 100K in profit. And then baseball season came around and I had no idea what I was doing. I lost like 90% of my profit trying to expand my success from basketball the following like four months. Um, kind of had like a negative season in football and was like basically like slightly red my first year. And I kind of told myself like, I'll give it two years. I was just like absolutely obsessed with fantasy sports growing up. Um, it was always a dream I wanted to do. And I had kind of budgeted to expect to lose a little bit my first year. So I kept going. And my second year was kind of more the same. Like I cut out baseball because I realized it wasn't a good sport for me. Um, football, I teetered back on a lot. And then I really wasn't like, I, I still was barely paying my rent with it. And so I, I added a, a day job um, because I was going to give myself like six more months and as I was, I was like, you know what, I should take on a job, start to scale that up. I was in sales at the time. And then that way, if it ends up going bad, by the time I'm done with my two years in DFS, my sales job has already started to scale. It's kind of just like a hedge. And um, I just like finally had like a really killer season. And um, to the point where like, I just don't really have to think about money for a while. And uh I never thought I was going to get there and I changed up a lot of my strategies and whatnot, but um, I'll kind of let you go from there. I'll just give you an idea. What, what uh, sport did you kill or multiple sports? Basketball primarily this year uh, and then football uh, a, to a little slightly less degree, um, but basketball primarily. And I know you had a couple big wins, 100,000 win, 250,000 win, but it sounds like you're also playing some of the nosebleeds that you've been battling in the, the 10K head-to-heads, the three-mans and stuff. Like, where are you seeing most of your ROI? Yeah, uh, GPPs were really strong this year. Um, I think I returned, like, close to a 50% ROI on those. Um, I don't MME, and I'd say that's the one thing where I would kind of consider myself more of a semi-pro than a pro, like – I don't have these built out algorithms or models. Um, I don't have anything proprietary. I'm not really like pushing volume. I really prefer single entry and I've been playing a lot of like 10 K three mans, head to heads, um, kind of things like that. So that's kind of been like off the top a little, just a little bit extra, but, um, I did hit some, uh, some GPPs this year, which was great. So. With a single bullet. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I I don't think I'll be able to replicate this, but two years in a row on DraftKings, I've won a 600-person tournament with one lineup. I did it twice, actually, this year. And so I kind of I realized, like, if I can do that there, I should probably be playing head-to-heads, three-mans, like, all of that now that I kind of have the bankroll. And so far, it's been working out pretty well. 600-man, you said? 600-man you, you, you won with a single mm-hmm. entry? That's, do- that's doable. That's doable. I thought you were winning the thirty thousand entries with one. That's oh, pretty no, no, no. pretty difficult, even if you're very, very good. So, what do you like? What do you attribute specifically your success to? Are you are you like a petty theft information hound, um, where you just are accumulating more knowledge than your competitors? Is it your system, your process? Like, a, where what's your what's your secret sauce? Even if it, you're just saying it in kind of a more general sense. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get so many requests to play 10K head-to-heads after I say this, but um, we'll we'll go with it. Um, I basically, like, every day I'll just, like, take a walk for, like, two to three hours, and I'll just, like, manually go through every single combination of players. Like, I I outsource my data. Um, I think, like, I could spend two to three years trying to perfect a model, but essentially, like, it's going to be so similar to what's out there already because data is so abundantly available. Like I think just taking that 
and having like 80% of my work done for the day already. And then modifying it from there, like 20% on the back end. Once I have that, like I basically just spend like three to four hours a day, just going through every combination of like, I'll start at this position and put this player in and then go seven spots, then go six spots, then go five spots. Like, I don't think there's really any science to it. It's just much more of like a feel based. And then I just watch like every game. So like, I think data without context is kind of pointless. Like you have to really understand player profiles. You have to really understand correlation, but like seeing it in person and then seeing like the runs of it. Um, so I, I really am just a field based player um, with, you know, a basic sense of statistics and whatnot, but I, I don't really think there's anything like proprietary about what I do. Who do you outsource? Who do you use? Why don't you shout out these wonderful companies that <laughs> made you so wealthy? Um, yeah, to be honest, I do use Stochastic. I, I don't think I've given up any edge by saying that. I think they're probably the best. And then I have one or two other sources that I'll kind of confirm with. And then I kind of do my own modifications from there. I think as good as Stochastic is, I've become much less reliant on it as I've kind of progressed because once you really start to study the game and understand like different contexts, you, you kind of realize a mean projection only gets you so far. There's a lot more to it. It's much more based on like what the market's doing on a nightly basis and how you're playing against it. Do you, do you make one lineup and that's it? You enter in the three mans, you enter in the 600 man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I'm a one track mind kind of person. I've 20, like the night I won, uh, the 888 for 250 I did 20 lineups but I locked two guys and I think I just like very much have the mentality of I think this is the right path so I'm going to take it and then I'll allow some diversification from there but I think uh, I always have the mindset of like I think this is going to be in the winning lineup I'll go from there and then like, because you can just get buried from a guy putting up 10 to 12 X if there's just like this crazy value. And if there's a reason to get off of it, I will, I'll take an aggressive stance, but I think more times than not, like you just got to know long-term what you're trying to do. If you're trying to play contrarian always or not, it, I think there's a little rhyme and rhythm to like what you're doing long-term. Does one of your anonymous projection sources rhyme with the word sun cure? <laughs> No, no. Okay. I just, yeah, I just had to ask. No. You all, you do kind of sound like the way you described some of your lineup building process reminds me of, you know, cause I talked to JM to win all NFL season long and he really focuses on like the hand building combos of like working through pairs, constantly getting to a dead end of like trying to put these puzzle pieces together and just reshuffling, starting yeah. over. It almost seemed like what you were describing as like a very intensive hand building process until you find the pieces that fit together in a way that's satisfying to you. Yeah. I, it feels like I'm solving an equation. And honestly, I think that's why I like the game so much. Like I probably wouldn't watch basketball very much if it weren't for this game. I just really like trying to solve the puzzle. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like playing Nintendo as a kid. You're just like, I don't know. You're constantly trying to like, I don't know, beat something or like, like Tetris. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Kubert's um, kind of following up on that. He's saying, so what do you obtain from watching all the basketball that you don't get from the stats, minutes, projections, coach rotations, et cetera, like what Petty does? Yeah, like what are the kind of things that get lost in the numbers that you're able to pick up on with your eyes? Yeah, like I, I think a lot of guys just fall into statistics on a nightly basis. And if they're not in a scenario to easily like fall into that, like – Let's take like Bam out of bio, for example. I like don't think he's that good of a player in reality. I think oftentimes he has these random spike games, but like if his mid range shot just goes one night because he like he's just kind of bricks a lot of the time. Like, yeah, he he like always grades out from a mean projection well, but like he just oftentimes doesn't really get there. And like his player profile is like mid range game. But if you have a defender on him and they lock him down in the mid range, like he can't shoot the three. He's really kind of fragile with the ball. He like, yeah, he can fall into like 12 rebounds, but like if he doesn't run strong, he could easily just like be a letdown spot when the market's like 50% on him for the night. 
that's just kind of a recent th- I played BAM last night. I'm just better. But um, like, I, I don't know. There's just like, there's certain guys that like, yeah, they get there sometimes when they're chalk, but like there's so much justification to get off of them and to get a completely different build by paying down versus paying up. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, hand, do you, he's a hand builder, Pete. He's he a, I, I appreciate it. you got the calluses, uh, like me, just yeah. far more success. Where on the chess is okay 80 hour spectrum are you of how much, how much, uh, time are you putting in a, a week to playing full time? Uh, basketball, honestly, I only spend about two hours a day. Like, I, I'll like do my hand lineup, like, I'll go through the process two hours and then I'll sit down like an hour and a half before, so three and a half, and then I watch the games. I guess if you count watching like a full eight, but I would say like work-wise, I don't overcomplicate it. I think it's like a two to four hour process. Gotcha. And when you, like, if you're reviewing other top players, let's say NBA lineups, and because it does seem like you, you know, at least I always hear, you know, this is so efficient, you know, the projections are so good. It's really hard to separate yourself. Like what makes your overall lineups different like when people were to look at yours would they be like oh man this is a different angle than someone who is just you know crunching optimize on an optimizer yeah i think like when i crunch and i like look at like the optimal for a night like i just think i i'm consistently trying to find ways to get off of that and like like i think it was like a few weeks ago karis lavert was chalked because like jared allen was gonna sit and his rates weren't going to change at all. Like Donovan Mitchell still on the court. Same with like all the other guys, like their center rotation is a little different. I like instantly and thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm not going that route. I know like 50 to 70% of guys are going to play him on like a six to eight game slate. Like I, I'm just instantly going to get off of him because I think he's going to worst case, get me get six X and I can find that elsewhere. So, like, I, I think it's just, like, my thought process on that. I, I don't feel like I'm really giving up edge because I it's just kind of a feel off of, like, what's chalk, what's not. But you can tell, like, the market gets it wrong a lot of nights on just a couple of guys. Or, like, there's there are guys that still hit value, but they don't exceed it by any crazy amount. And just by simply getting to a different combination, you can solve the equation a different way. So I, I kind of think like that, which is counterintuitive to like cash and three mans, but um, I still think it's applicable in some sense. How much, how much are you getting, <clears throat> getting down on like a average Wednesday or something during the regular season? Um, it's changed a lot. So I, um, I was only spending a couple thousand a night for the first like two years. And then, uh, I won like hundred K 250 K. And so that kind of boosted my role and I kind of stagger what I do. Like if I'm doing well enough, I'll start to play more of the live finals qualifiers. I'll start to play more big stakes, head to heads, three mans. And so fortunately, like I just had a crazy year. Like I just really kept winning GPPs and I started to win 10 K. So I kind of met the point where I'm spending like 20 to 25 K now a night. Um, but I will probably reset that at the end of the year. Like I, I'm basically done for the year now until September comes around for football. So I'm probably going to reevaluate, divest some of my money and then probably start back down in like probably around the 5k range. If I have another good year, stagger it up again. So are you, um, you mentioned, you know, building this one lineup that you'll use in these tournaments, but then also playing these high stakes, uh, head to heads and three mans. Are you using the same lineup or do you have a different lineup for your, your head to heads and stuff? No, I, I just use one lineup. And is that then why you think you've had success? Because obviously you're building a lineup that's going to be unique, that could win a bigger field, but then you're saying, Hey, these guys are going to be relying heavily on the projections. They're going to have close to the chalk lineup. And because I'm approaching mm-hmm. it from like a completely different set that that's, that's kind of giving you an advantage in those contests. I would say so. I think the burden's on me to outperform the data and long-term I'm curious to see if I'm capable of doing that so far I have been, but, um, this is only my first year of like, you know, a major success. It could honestly swing back just in trying to stay humble, but, um, yeah, it, it, to be honest, yeah, it's allowed me to do some things, um, that I can tell my opponents are, aren't like, I'm, I, I've played three mans before. I think three of the last 10 that I've done, at the 10k level 
not to name names or anything, not to make anything personal. Um, I'm playing a one V one to three X my money. Cause the guys are playing the same exact math. Like I, I would sign up to take that every single day because I'm, I only have to beat one lineup and I get the additional return. I'm basically playing a head to head for three X. So you're saying the two other guys are playing the same lineup and you're playing a one V one off of the same lineup. Yeah. No, no, sorry, not a 1v1 off that lineup. I'm just saying, like, I'm basically playing a head-to-head in three mans on a handful of nights because two of the three guys are playing the same lineup, and then I'm playing a different lineup. And but so that's just like... Isn't, and tell me I'm wrong, I don't, I don't play this game, but as I understand it, you are, these guys are probably playing the best projected lineups in these contests. So you are sacrificing most likely projected points playing a, a different lineup than them, right? Agreed. But you're unless, saying well, unless he's thinks he's right and the the market's wrong, <clears throat> and that's to my point. Like I, on occasion, will play a similar lineup or the same lineup, but I just think there's enough nights where the market is. I think because we're so data focused now in DFS, there's actually an edge to be had in like trying to find contrarian views within context of game scripts and game flows and like. Previously, when DFS was so not statistically based and like feel based as it first started out, all the edge was in statistics. Now you know that that's there. The average player like me can come along and pick up the game because there's good enough, you know, projections. I think there's edge in the the qualitative aspect of the game now. You mentioned, I mean, playing in the three man's obviously a huge talking point with that over the years has been how mm-hmm. right those are for collusion. Lots of people coming on the show talking about mock loving other people potentially cheating there. How do you, how do you think about that of like, Hey, I might not be getting it in good. It, clearly that doesn't seem to be a huge concern to you. I kind of know the guys now, at least from a distance of like who they are and what they're doing. And uh, truthfully, my first year I actually did play mock and SRN. Um, I played them like six times on FanDuel. I I checked just to have some sort of data to report here. Um, I, I fortunately I was doing the same thing. I wasn't playing you know optimal based lineups. I actually ended up doing fine. I I won two and I chopped one, and then I lost like two in a row, so I stopped. But I I returned like less than a unit profit. But um, yeah, I mean I, I I had no idea that was going on when I first started doing it, um, and that is somewhat of a concern, but I don't think Chipotle addict or uh, Yoda or any of those guys are really, I, I think they're too big to fail. And I don't think they have any reason to want to play to cheat or from what I've gauged from people I've met and what I've learned, you know, I think there's maybe one name that I have to worry about, but um, yeah. What name? Yeah. So why don't you save the Mock? people? Why don't you help I, people out? Look, I'll, I'll, I'll so they don't get cheated. Before I get anything personal, it's my fault. It's my responsibility for getting into a market that I didn't wasn't aware of the dynamics, especially when it was somewhat well known. I think, in all honesty, the only person that's going to play in those are guys like me that are coming out for the first time that don't fully know and aren't super educated on you know different dynamics. I think it's pretty damn pathetic for that to be your angle, if that's how you want to make money. That being said, that's on me for getting into a market like that. So I'll leave it at that. I think we all know so, who it is. But. So it's, it's Travis Petty. <laughs> okay. All right. What can I ask? Why, why are you afraid to say mock love? And I mean, that's been kind of like the worst kept secret in. Oh, He's saying I'm it's not. somebody else. It, He's saying it's, no, somebody no, it's, else. it's mock and SRN. I know that okay. like, but, uh, uh, yeah. I, I get to wake up and make fantasy sports lineups. Like I'm a, I'm a happy kid. I don't, it, it's in the rear view mirror. It is what it is. Like, you can be happy and call out cheating too. There's no, there's no dice. That's, true. You don't have to that's true. Have one or the other here. No, that's true. I'm, I'm trying to take the high road on it, but yeah, no, I mean, I got cheated by mock. It didn't cost me money, fortunately, but it is what it is. Okay. Well, there um, you go. Shots fired. Holy shit. I can't believe you said that live on air. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what are you? I'm, I'm saving the drama for the house, Pete. I, I've been hearing you talk this up. I want to get into a drafting house. I think that'd be so, so much fun to do. See, a... 
that's so Brian and I always talk about it. And you had you had mentioned one of the things you had said is like, hey, I'm younger than a lot of this kind of established cohort of pros that everyone knows. And one of the things we always talk about the DFS house doing more content is that like, hey, a lot of these guys have families. A lot of them can't like afford to go do this. It sounds like you are. I, are you single? Are you are you mobile? Like, would you be able to go yeah. live in a DFS house for for three months and shoot a reality TV show? I just quit my corporate job, baby. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> okay. I was going to say the paintings yeah. above, not saying you don't have taste, but that looked oh, like a man I, who's domesticated. I uh, I got out of the city. I came to my uh, mother's house for the interview. Okay. There it is. There yeah, it is. That's yeah. a mother's touch so. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, your background no, looks like I, Brian's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, no, I, I very much would. I mean, I think um, – that would be something of interest. I'm very much a single guy. Uh, I'm 27. I definitely got into DFS too, because I saw like all of these, uh, you know, the whole industry, it's people early thirties to late thirties. They have kids, families, serious relationships. Like I thought just by being able to watch every game, every night, spending a couple hours on my phone, going through every combination. Like I thought there was an edge to be had there. And boy, was I wrong that it would just be like, somewhat easy to just show up my first year and start winning through sheer effort. Like, I think there's so much time to like figure out if your process is right. If the decisions you're making are panning out, like how you're playing the game, like uh, experience in this, honestly, I, I have realized is like very, very crucial and it just takes time. I guess one thing, if I was watching this show and I had seen all these episodes, the thought I would be having is like, all right, we've seen guests like chess is okay. And Travis Petty, who put in a shit ton of time and it's like this nuance in the context that gives them their edge. And then we see people like Brian and nerdy tenor who press a button and it all spits out. It seems like you're almost having your cake and eating it too, because you're saying like you are picking up on things that maybe the quants aren't, but then you say you're also not necessarily spending that much time on it. It sounds like the dream to be successful at DFS, have an edge on people <laughs> while also not having to devote 80 hours a week to it. Yeah. And I don't know if it'll last in all honesty, and I'm sure a lot of people think it probably won't, but like, I never thought I was going to make three quarters of a million dollars playing a game for over seven months. Like, I don't think it's realistic for that ever to happen again, but I mean, I spend two to three hours a day just going through this. I love going through the process of it. I wake up in the morning, I go to the gym, I take a walk, I get a coffee. Like I go play golf with my dad once a week. Like when I'm not in my corporate job, like, it really is kind of the dream. That's kind of why I was attracted to it. And I think like I'm mentally like constantly thinking about like combinations and this and that. And like, I, my brain is kind of always firing on it in some way, but yeah, it, I am kind of eating the cake right now. It's, it's only a couple hours a day. And it like, if you have a good run too, you can always just take off a week. You're probably going to lose anyways. Like I think my cash rates only like my cash rates, like 30% this year, which I think is, pretty high relative to what my historical is, but like if I'm going to lose seven to eight nights a week anyways, and I have a great run, I'll just take off a couple of days. Odds are I'm saving myself money. Do you, um, are you a content hound? Are you, are you listening to a ton of the shows to kind of try to get a feel for what the field is doing? Because it sounds like you are taking kind of an exploitative angle with some of your play. Is, is that part of your strategy? Um, yeah, I think I have like, uh, a couple different sources that I check on a day-to-day basis just to see where people are at and like what's projected. And then I think, again, you kind of get a good understanding of certain context of when somebody's over projected for ownership. Like I think the whole late swapping with NBA, once you get better value on the table, you know, some guys are going to get squeezed and it's, it's hard to understand sometimes when, but when you know that a position is really tough one night and again, kind of why I'm going through the combinations on a daily basis so much, like it's pretty easy to just tell like, okay, the small forward value is going to get squeezed or this value is going to get squeezed here. So that kind of gives you, uh, if you know that it gives you an edge or an angle to understanding like the optimal build and the, like where people are going to go later on in the night. All right, Brian, you're being pretty quiet over there. I, if I had to guess, Brian, I feel like you, you smell like a little bit of bullshit. Are you, are you buying all this? Where, where are you at on, on Ryan's story here of success? I'm just fuming right now, Peter. No. Um, 
Uh, I, I mean, it seems like you've you probably need a little bigger sample size, in like my opinion, than to yeah. like quit your job. Although the show is very important, so I do support you quitting your job to come on here. Um, I'm just over the corporate world, but yeah. And if you're if you got a lot of it from single entry, uh, some like you know thirty plus man, there's a lot of variance. Um, how much were you betting when you first your first two years? You said like two grand. How much money did you have to to spend? What was your role? Uh. I would say just under 200 grand. How did you get that? <clears throat> uh, I was a real estate agent in San Francisco on the incline of the rental market. I was working like seven days a week, uh, just leasing an apartment like pretty much every other day. So it was like your personal net worth was your role? Yeah, I set aside like, I'd say like 30, 40K. I was living really cheap. Um, and yeah, I figured if I swung down like 100K, I'd probably reevaluate. Which I I did swing down a little little bit for a little while, um, but yeah, it never got to the point where like I was worried. I I don't know. I've always lived my life like I'm gonna be dead in fifty years with nothing to say about it. Like I don't care. Like it, if if I do something and it's like socially not like looked at highly, like as long as I think I'm making a smart, calculated decision, I'll go ahead and do it. I think that kind of confidence is what has what has allowed me to enter into like five Ks, ten Ks, like doing things that like I honestly on paper probably shouldn't be doing, but you learn a lot just by being in those environments. And I think pushing yourself, assuming you can afford it. So, do you think what gives you your edge in the game is that sustainable? Because again, a lot of guys, really top players have come on here. You are, we've heard chess is okay. Leave to go do his investment stuff. We've heard Yuta saying he's transitioning out on the uh, ETR pod. Like these are very high, highly regarded successful players who are saying, Hey, like my edges are drying up for you. It almost sounds like you're just getting going that you're saying, Hey, I'm ready to settle in to this long professional DFS career. You know, I, let me answer that for you. Sorry, Ryan, but like there, any edge can go away and so his is it's it's the same as anyone else's really like it's just one if there's enough people who who can beat the rake and put solid lineups in then you can't win so like it doesn't matter how if you're doing it nerdy tenors way or the way ryan's doing it or the way travis is doing it like eventually your edge can be dried up no matter what you're fucking doing um, yeah. if there was no rake, um, it could last a hell of a lot longer in theory, but like, cause like, you know, if you're grinding the tape or whatever, and you're, you're using these qualitative measures to, to do your lineups, there's no reason that can't be factored in the market somehow, or it doesn't matter. Like the, the, the market gets so accurate that there's just not enough edge there anymore for you to beat the rake. So it doesn't. So it's not it's and I'm not saying that he's screwed or, or I'm saying we're all kind of screwed in a sense. So however long it lasts, it's it's going to last. But like your 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 edge, no matter what you do, can go away. Yeah, I have been worried about that a little bit. Um, I, I would I would say. Given that this is the first year I've had some crazy success, I, I have consistently won at NBA to a degree. I think it's just accepting that I might have years where I'm break even or even slightly red. And then I can have some big boom years. Like it, I, I think I agree with you. Like I, most people that I've talked to think that the games could change within the next like three to five years in terms of like contest size and all that. Um, both of my FanDuel DraftKings reps, they kind of say the same thing. DraftKings seems a little more optimistic, but I would say in general, like I have noticed how tight it gets for whatever reason. Like I've still been able to win at basketball over the last three years, whether that returns me a 2% ROI or a 20 or a 50, I think that's to be seen, but I, I would agree with you. I, I think there are inevitably going to be months where I'm red because of it, because of the market. Do you think like, you know, again, a lot of these guys who, 
you know, have had success at DFS, I get the impression they could have success at a lot of things, you know, is applying kind of their problem solving, their puzzle piecing, you know, skills to different markets, whether that's peer to peer, whether that's the stock market or whatever. Do you like, do you consider yourself that way? Or do you think you just have this like really unique feel for DFS specifically, or do you find yourself looking for different games, different edges um, in other areas outside of DFS? I think I love DFS so much. I think that's part of the reason, like, I think passion in something, if you're really just constantly thinking about something, you're inevitably going to find edges over like a pure quant, just plugging in their model to get their 5% ROI. Like, I think I will pick up on things. I don't like the stock market as much. And I know that that's pretty equivalent to DFS. Like I don't find day trading as nearly interesting. I don't find the topics that, like the fact that Taiwan manufactures 40% of the semiconductors that China uses, like that just bores the hell out of me. Like I, I don't care to trade based off of information in, you know, random scenarios like that or whatnot. I think it really is the game itself. Um, I've always just been super obsessed with DFS and I think I could apply it to some things. I think it's more just a work ethic thing from there though. You mentioned to Pete um, in when you DM'd him about, and we might touch on this, uh, but I want to bring it up again. The di- you said the dichotomy between age ranges. So like mm-hmm. old geezers like me and a lot of guys who came over from poker, what were you getting at there? I think it's a good time to get into DFS from the standpoint of you're already seeing Osimos scale back his volume. You're seeing guys like Yoda saying, I have maybe three to five left. You have uh, a range of guys in their mid to late thirties that are probably going to fall, like decide to leave in the next few years. And from what I've gathered internally, there's enough guys still coming in like myself. I think a new generation is going to kind of come in. I, I don't know that's just a gauge. I don't know how long people tend to play for at least at the high volume, but I do think we're at the end of the cycle. If you look like I'm the youngest guy at most of the live finals by like seven to eight years. Um, my, I have one close buddy who's like 29, 30 and he's kind of, we met in Miami in 2020 and like, I'd say we're kind of the, the young guys coming up kind of thing. Um, what's his username? I don't, uh he's taco bellas bay rs bothla um he's my good buddy romnik and um we're the youngest guys at these events by a good majority so i I think if you're starting to scale up it's actually a good time to get into it assuming enough people drop off that's where i don't think the market's gonna be a negative i hear all that and i think those are all red flags to stay far far away (laughs) Like you don't one, you generally don't want young people because young people don't have any money. So the way they're 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 playing DFS is by being good. And that was the same thing in poker. Like all these young guys came in against the old geezers and it wasn't good for the for the average player. It's because all these young guys are playing, they don't have jobs, they have more free time, they could study more, they're hungrier. Um, and the reason the old guys are leaving is because it's getting harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that's kind of the natural ecosystem. It, almost like I, I have a buddy that plays on the Corn Ferry Tour it, in golf, and I, I talk to him all the time. And like, um, just him talking to pros and who he knows, it, like they say the same thing every year. Like it gets harder and harder. There's this new phenom that comes in, and yada yada. And, that's more like skill, like physical, physicality based and whatnot. But like to the same point, like, yeah, if you have more time to dedicate, I'm not even saying I'm working 60 hours a week on it, but I I have the ability to, I think, do things that others don't. And that's initially why I wanted to get into this. The one thing I'd push back though, like when we do the poker comparison is the young guys who were coming in were using different tools than the old guys i mean they turned into these gto crushers who were using solvers and just like knew the game inside and out because of like literal advancements and like technology and stuff and what you could do with poker i mean brian's giving a smirk but i'm saying you aren't necessarily like spinning up your own like technology that like the old guard 
isn't doing. Like guys like Nerdy and Brian, who are older than you, it sounds like are using far more advanced systems than you. So what is what's the difference then in the age? Just an energy or stamina thing? I guess that's well, where I don't see it necessarily. I think your poker analogy is a little off though, Pete. Like, cause when we first were playing in 2005, 2006, 2007, sure. We used poker tracker HUDs a little bit, but mainly the edge was we played a billion hands online mm -hmm. compared to guys who would play, you know, a hundred thousand hands their entire life. So mm -hmm. we, we, we had, and we had the time to, to play eight hours a day cause we were young. Mm -hmm. And so that's not, we weren't using solvers. We weren't using any of that stuff. And they were still crushing 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006. ESPN kind of made them look like they were these idiot idiots for a while, but eventually they, they caught on. Like well, what's still not answering my question. It's, it's for, I'm trying to figure out the DFS equivalent. It's just that the young guys have more time. That's important. I, I would say so. I mean, I'm not even saying that I'm benefiting from the more time because I'm not spending that time. But I just think in general, like when you've done something for 10 plus years, you get a little jaded. And I, I feel like the the love of the game probably goes away a little bit. Like I I still love waking up every day and looking at like just the pricing and seeing the little fluctuation. And like it still is just like it's so green to me. I think like my natural passion for it and just like the mental energy I put into it, it's probably stronger than the average guy that's been doing it for 12 years and is clicking a button to press optimize. Like I'm, you have to be like at your computer, like ready to go for four or five hours playing NBA DFS. Football is a little different. You can, you have more time you can consume during the week, but like basketball in particular, like you gotta be locked in. Like I have to make a decision sometimes within five minutes and the hours that I've spent knowing where to readjust and recalibrate the equation. Like, I think there is just a mental energy to that. The thing is though, I feel like you might be underselling how much time you spent because you said you go on these three hour walks where you're messing with the combos. You said another two hours at your computer uh, before lock and then another four hours like throughout the games and stuff. I'm sure there's some overlap with the time there, but you might be spending more time than you maybe think, right? You might be right. I mean, yeah, I, like the games itself is like what 4 p.m. to like 9 30 that's five and a half hours and then okay yeah i could be spending about 11 hours a day on the normal day no that's that's true and now we're getting closer to chess is okay and that's why i just felt there was a little disconnect there because it is sounding like my advantage is what uh travis here calls the competitive stamina that you're putting it you're outworking people with pure time and energy and stamina. And that's why there's just like a slight disconnect with saying, oh, it's just a couple of hours. It's, it's no big deal, but my edge is outworking people. You see what I'm saying? That's a good point, yeah. No, that's very true. Um, uh, I, I will also say uh, clicking a button is- um, Yeah, sorry, that didn't diminish. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Davis turned 15 today. Happy birthday, Davis. He Talk about a guy who's, uh, who's a young gun who uh, is yeah. old soul when it comes to competitive 15. He's doing pretty well for 15. <laughs> let's, let's all, let's all yeah. uh, admit that right now. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? The click a, click a button, like, you know, Nerdy Tenor's code just gets better. It doesn't get worse. And he puts lots of time into it for that button click. And, uh, you know, the, the more, the older he gets and the more he puts into that code, just the better it gets. Now, if you just want to like talk about 2016, 17 days where people you just used fantasy cruncher or something. Sure. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. You can't just put in decent projections, click a button, put some unique uniques and, and randomness on there and, and make money. You could do that in 2016, 2017, but they're doing a lot more than just clicking the optimize button. Uh, some of these guys. No, that's fair. And I, I kind of avoid, like, I don't ever MME outside of NFL showdown. I'm very strictly in the single entry streets. I think for part of that reason, like, I know I can't beat you guys on that. If there's a contest outside of a thousand entries, like I'm, I'm not playing it. So I, I think that is too where like contest selection, like I also would rather just risk slightly more to know that if I do have a little bit of an edge or if I can play strong for a period of time, like, I'd rather be able to make 10 or 20 K playing two guys. Obviously everybody would, but like I'm willing to risk more capital to do that just because I think that's more advantageous for my strategy and where I'm at. And 
I don't think the swings are like I, I've MME'd a handful of times before. And like, if you get it wrong, like you, you lose at least like, I, I don't know, Brian, you'd know this much better than me, but you're going to lose 50, 60, 70% on the nights you're off. Right. Thank you for acknowledging my losing. Yes. You, I will <laughs> lose that. Yes. It's true. Uh, uh, no, like, like I, I've gotten just completely dusted on oh, nights yeah. where I've lost like, like 80, 90%. And I'm like, well, fuck. Like I just, burn money i've bageled like, i've bageled entire 150s <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know like that's probably the right strategy though like you're probably supposed to dud out like that but Didn't don't you go like fair enough don't you go uh, on like massive swings with it though like oh, to the God. point where you might just be doing the same amount of swings with higher stakes yeah it's it's like they say plo is no longer holding on steroids for bankroll management DFS GPP is like uh, PLO on on I don't know on uh, meth on fucking crack cocaine or something. It's, in, it's just insane these swings. I uh, do want to shout out H in the chat says I'm 24 and qualified for my first live final, the FanDuel uh, World Football, I believe that is. Uh, feel like I'm gonna be the youngest dude there by a mile. So we do have another 24. So Ryan, if you're looking for someone to uh, to rip some shots and stay out till 4 a.m. at this live final, I just found your guy. I appreciate that. I, my uh, my FanDuel rep is like two years younger than me, and we showed up in Miami. And um, I mean, man, this guy just like drank us under the table. It was like the <laughs> funniest series of like three days. We went to like Live Story Eleven. We were out till like nine a.m. and then we had to get on a yacht like the next morning. Like, um, it, it's funny. The dichotomy is really funny between like the guys that work at the companies and then the guys going out um it it's an interesting interesting world to say the least i thought young people don't drink anymore pete oh yeah the uh the new but not 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 dfs party bros i know th those guys still drink because what ryan where do you fall in that because there i know what brian's referencing and it's this new you know the holistic approach to everything you do you know exercise your diet and all of this stuff like how is your lifestyle relative to dfs because i know some of the poker guys have leaned into that more you see the like jason coons of the world who are just like so regimented with their health and their diet. Uh, where, where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I always gain a little bit of weight once uh, football season comes around and then basketball, like double ending both. Um, I, I do do the cutting, the bulking, lifting weights five, six days a week. Um, I wasn't for the last like handful of months with my job because I was, I was in the office at 6 a.m. every day, mocking East Coast hours. I'm, I'm in SF, so um, San Francisco. So I, I kind of got out of that, but yeah, I, I very much do like care about that stuff. Um, and I feel like it does help when you're mentally grinding like crazy and losing money a lot, winning some money, like you're mentally just like, you know, you're kind of going through it. It does help when you're like taking care of your body a lot because it, it, it's, it's easy to get buried in the stress of this. One thing we always ask, uh, you know, some of our new guests who people aren't as familiar with, who who are the DFS players you respect the most? Who do you think are the top uh, of their game right now that you see, you know, week in, week out? Yeah, because I'm primarily focused on basketball, I, I, I'm not just saying this because I can tell he's in the comments, but Petty uh, is uh, such a phenomenal player. Um, I've tried to study his play quite a bit and pick up some things. Um, I think... Yoda is overall like just one of the best tournament players and looking at kind of the variance of his plays versus the market has helped me quite a bit. Um, Chipotle is killer in football. Um, I, I mean, all those guys that is listed are much better players than me in probably every sport, but I think uh, Petty in basketball in particular, Yoda overall, and then probably Chipotle in football. Yeah, I think I've asked questions, Travis, but um, he doesn't play like I play. So he doesn't, you don't, he doesn't make his own projections. He doesn't use any software. Um, no Sims. You don't even use an optimizer, do you? Uh, I use FC if I go over one lineup, if I go five or more. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm, listen, I'm not going to sit there and watch uh, NBA games all day, Travis. You're a sicko and I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what, if I was 27, uh, I would have. Yeah. What, um, so what, what motivated you to, uh, to reach out and come on, come the, sh- come on the show other than having a really good excuse to leave your job? <laughs> um, it, honestly, I just, I listened to Lowell's like every week when I was first starting out and, um, I, we probably didn't get into like everything, but I feel like I had just a really wild ride, uh, initially just like my first two years just like really struggling it was not easy mentally it was a lot um and then this past year like i just never expected to make this kind of money so quickly in like i feel like three years isn't a long time to be doing something to make the kind of money that i did and i don't know i i just wanted to say thanks and like i don't know kind of contribute to the ecosystem because i i feel like i'm on borrowed time in some ways like i I don't know. I, I just feel like, like I'm just very happy with the, how far I've come and kind of wanted to put some back. Well, follow, following up on that, why why don't you give the people one juicy tip that might cost you a little EV, but do you got one thing you can tell, <laughs> you can tell to give back to the community? One simple trick on how you too could quit your do- job to become a DFS pro. Something along those lines, Ryan. Yeah. I'm I'm divesting some of my money to try and make passive income. So don't don't put it solely on that cuz I'll tell you the swings are pretty excruciating when it's 75-80% of your net worth going into this. Don't don't do that. Uh ideally have more money than I had starting out, but I would say you got to watch the games. I, that's helped me the most seeing how the player profiles interact with the data data alone, I think is irrelevant. You got to understand why something happens rotations, like knowing them like the back of your head is very important in understanding where it can change. Um, We can close on this and Davis abbreviating net worth as NW is tilting me so much right now, but how, how much of your net worth is it, uh, is it Bitcoin or, or other crypto? I have never invested in crypto or Bitcoin. I have Whoa. enough volatility with DFS. I don't need any more. <laughs> okay. I, I, I bought T-bills that my level of risk outside of DFS is very little, but my level of risk in the amount of money I put into DFS is very high. So interesting. All right. Yeah. Lots of conviction there. Um, where, uh, if people want a little bit more Ryan in their life, obviously they can battle you in the DFS streets. Is there anywhere you want people to follow you on Twitter? Do you have a, uh, an investment, you know, hedge fund, uh, that you want to direct us to here <laughs> on the side? What, what can we do for you? Uh, no, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I think I have four Twitter followers and I follow like 150 people. I've never tweeted. Okay. I did you post your toasted? <laughs> My what? Your toasted? It's the it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even it's know. It's the what thing that is. we were talking about at the top of the show. Um, it reveals who looks at your Twitter page. I'm sure I've looked at yours more than any other person oh. in your life, according to Toasted. Yeah. Got it. No, sorry. I was um, doing my hair before I wanted to look pretty for the show. Wow. Yeah, no, it does look nice. Thank I'm you. Um, well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, always fun to to hear from someone new uh, who's very underexposed, at least in the DFS media landscape. So appreciate you uh, sharing and letting us kind of uh, needle you a bit about your stuff. This was a fun uh, fun show. Yeah, let me let me also say I do. I, I I love this in DFS gambling and just in life in general that people could find different angles to make a living. Uh, and you know, yours is definitely not, um, uh, kind of the standard way that people, people mostly want to be, I think GPP maxers, but there's a whole bunch of ways you can make money in DFS still, I don't know for how long, but still. So it's cool when someone figures out a niche for themselves and, and even if it's just like a business or anything like that, but especially in our world. So congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, no, thanks, man. Guys. Living the dream, uh, buy some Bitcoin here so Davis doesn't lose it in the chat. Um, I want everyone to know out there, I'm not looking at your Twitter page, no matter what they say. Uh, Brian and I are here every single Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. If you 
like Ryan, have some secrets to share, have been lurking beneath the surface in the DFS landscape, feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk, love to hear more about what you guys are up to. Subscribe to the channel if you're not, so you get notified when we go live, all that good stuff. So for Ryan, for Brick, I'm Pete. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.